Good morning. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for today. Thank you for those that are here and those that will be listening. We ask, Lord, that you lead this service and put a watch over my mouth, Lord, lest I sin against you. Prepare and open our hearts and minds to receive the message that you gave me to bring to the people. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you make me sensitive to what you are saying and willing to repeat what I hear you say. Bless me with the ability to communicate with great clarity. And I pray these things, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> as you, everybody knows, I have been fasting for the last, uh, let's see, it ended on February 9th. I um, was fasting for 21 days, and each week there was one day of a food fast on Wednesday. Um, it started on a Tuesday night and ended on a Wednesday night, so it was 24-hour no food fast. During that time, I felt really out of sorts. Uh, and I spoke about this before, how out of sorts I felt, but I knew that I had to stick with it because I've done long fasts before and I know how important it is to stick with what you promise God you're going to do because it's in the, the obedience of the promise that uh, we get breakthrough. But let me explain what this feeling was and how it felt to me. So when I was seven years old, my family moved to Asheville, North Carolina, and I will never forget the first day that we went up to see the house and we're going up this little windy road it was a one lane dirt road kind of like this one where you can't pass you have to if somebody you meet a car you have to back up somebody has to back up and we're on the edge of a mountain winding our way this house was on the top of the mountain and we're going up this mountain this road and all of a sudden we get to where the top of the mountain and all you can see is sky so there's road and as a seven-year-old, I was like, are we going to fall off the side of this mountain? Like, I, like you couldn't see anything but sky. And you, there was trees on this side, and, you know, there's the, the side of the, the mountain on this side, and there was a cliff on this side. And so I'm kind of in a panic, but I was excited and at the same time scared. That's what this feeling was the last three weeks. There was excitement, but there was fear. Because whenever, whenever God's moving you from something, you're going to encounter opposition and fear that's going to try and hold you back because that's how Satan works. He wants to hold us back to keep us from walking in everything that God wants us to have. But on the other side of the hill of this fasting was breakthrough. And I've learned to just dig into the word of God and let him bring his presence to me. I got a fresh word from the Lord the day before the end of the fast. So on the 20th, Thursday the 20th, I got... I had just finished the no food fast, the last no food fast, and I got complete breakthrough on, th on Thursday morning. So <clears throat> to tell you about that, I got to tell you about what happened in 2018. So in 2018, I was going through the ordination process. Seven, in 2017, I got called to be a pastor by the Lord. Um, I was hearing Holy Spirit at that point and got called. And 2018, I started working on the ordination process. I went to, I was almost three quarters of the year in, almost done with the classes part of it. And I had just, I was coming home from a conference and I had a two hour drive. And I was so discouraged because there had been so, such opposition to the ordination process. Satan was really trying to stop me and he was using people to do it. So everybody else was getting their certificates for every class that you got. Every, every class that you got under your belt, you were supposed to get a certificate. I didn't get a single certificate, not one, for all the classes that I took. 
I was asking people, I was trying to get information, I was trying to get it, still wasn't getting anywhere. I'd get pushed off, I'd get told, you know, wait, I'd get told, go talk to this person, go talk to that person, call this person, whatever. It just wasn't happening. And on the way back from this conference, I was just so discouraged. I had two days of classes. I was coming home and I was like, Lord, I just don't know if this is what you want. I don't know if this is the path that I'm supposed to take. And I heard the Lord tell me, I'm not going to let you get ordained here. You will not be ordained here. This is not where I want you to go. But, I don't like buts when, God, when you're talking to God. Because he says, but if you want this, I'll let you have it, but you'll be limited to 100 people. You will only make a difference to 100 people. You will never have a congregation larger than that. But if you'll walk with me, he said, if you'll walk with me, I will make you a leader of thousands. You'll do, you'll work with thousands of people. You'll make a difference in thousands of people's lives. And I'm not going to lie, that's scary. That, that whole, the whole, whole idea of that is scary. And I thought, should I settle? I, I really did. I thought, should I settle? But I knew Holy Spirit was saying, don't settle, don't settle, don't settle. Walk with me. So I said, okay. And I walked away from the whole situation. And I got ordained a different way. And I said, I'm following you. We're going to do this your way. So then fast forward to 2020, January of 2020, I got a complete vision of exactly, it, I was in prayer one morning. Um, I was praying about, it was the new year. So I was in the situation I was in this past January where I was seeking the Lord's presence for and his word for the year, what he was going to do. And it ended up being a download of the decade of 2020. He gave me a vision of the church and the ministries that were going to be attached to the church. And I created a vision board where I had everything mapped out, like the different things that I saw in the vision. And it looks very childish and rudimentary because I have little stick figures, you know, little stick churches and little, little stick buildings. But beside of them were written what they were, what they were for. The Lord told me after that to dream with him. And this is going to be hard for me to admit, but I tried. I tried to dream with him about everything in this destiny vision. I've tried numerous times. And numerous times he said, come away and dream with me. And every time I would start to imagine what things would look like or how they would run or how they would work, there was that part of me that would think, this is crazy to get my hopes up. I was thinking small. I was thinking safe. And I was hindering what God wanted to do in my life. I felt like I wasn't worth it. I wasn't worthy, I'm not, that it was too far out of my reach. I thought, who am I to have a large ministry? I'm nobody. And I would go back and forth between asking for the promise and the provision for the promise, and then stopping asking for fear that it wouldn't come to pass, as if God were a man and could lie. That's from Numbers 23. God is not a man that he should lie. Part of the reason that I bought into this fear was growing up in lack. I grew up not having a lot. There was five of us kids. Although my dad made good money, there was a lot of mouths to feed. There was a lot of people to take care of. In almost four of those years of my childhood, my mom was in college. So even those years were even tighter. I learned at a young age, don't ask for things. Then you don't get disappointed. I learned every time that I spoke of big plans for my future, they were immediately squashed by those that should have been encouraging me. 
And that's one of the reasons why I think I love surprises so much because if you get something that you didn't ask for, then that's a blessing. But if you ask for it, don't get it, then you're disappointed. So I just struggled with believing for this vision. And I struggled with planning how things would work. All of that shifted on that Thursday when I got a clear word from the Lord. I was listening to an Andrew Womack sermon, and he said that we had to stir up our imagination because we've been given an imagination from God. And he quoted a verse from Romans 121, which we're gonna look at in a moment. So if you wanna get your Bibles out, go ahead and turn to Romans 121. When I heard this, Holy Spirit quickened in me, and I began to hear him say, it's time to imagine and dream with me. And I had to repent for quenching the vision and for putting God in a box. He wants to move and build the church and the ministries. And it is for now. So if you go to Romans 1.21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were, were darkened. The King James Version of this says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. So you can imagine things for God and with God and through God, and you can imagine things yourself, and it will become a vain imagination, and your heart will become foolish and darkened. And this is a warning. But that Greek word for thinking is often translated, that it was translated here as thinking in the ESV, but in King James it was translated as imaginations because it means thinking, imagination, mind, logic. All those words for that one Greek word. <clears throat> and it's translated different ways, different verses. Now, the next scripture I want to look at is Jeremiah 9, 14. And I'm going to read that in the ESV and then King James. So in the ESV, it says, And the Lord says, Because they have forsaken my law that I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accord with it, but have stubbornly followed their, but have stubbornly followed their own hearts and have gone after the Baals as their fathers taught them. Now in the King, King James Version, it says they have walked after the imagination. So that stubbornly, that stubbornly in the ESV is imagination in the King James. So after, it says, but they have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. And let's go to Psalm 2, 1. I'm going to load you up with scripture this morning. It says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? There it's used as plot. <clears throat> A plan. A logistical plan. They plot in vain. Go to Psalm 38, 12. Psalm 38, 12 says, Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate. There's the word is meditate. Treachery all day long. Now, imagination and meditate are similar words. Go to Psalm 143. 143, 5. 
Psalm 143.5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. The same word used here in Hebrew on each one of these is, as meditate is haga. And it for it's used for imagination, but it's also translated meditate. So when we use our imagination and we're thinking about something, especially when you're building with God in your mind, we are meditating. So we meditate on the word and that word comes to life. Strong's translates it as meditate, devise, muse, imagine, mutter, to mutter or to speak. So we think it and therefore we speak it. So to meditate on the word is to speak out the word and to imagine what God wants to build and to speak it into the world. Does that make sense? The same Hebrew word for mind is also conception. I'm not going to tell you what the word is because it's hard to pronounce. But mind also means conception. Without conception, you can't have birth. So we think and imagine in our minds, which is the conception, and then birth the thought. I want you to think about this. What is impossible for us is possible with God through us by meditating on the word, imagining the word, the written word, and the promises <coughs> of the Bible, and the spoken words that Holy Spirit has spoken over us. I want you to think of this. So, so if we have imagination plus intimacy with God, it will equal potential. This is why what we allow into our homes takes hold. So if we are watching scary movies, listening to foul language on podcasts or listening to foul language and music, watching porn, watching or listening to anything that is unholy, we will be thinking about these bad things, essentially meditating on them or singing unrighteousness because with music, we have a tendency to sing along. This is why I had to stop listening to true crime podcasts, which I really enjoyed, but it started to affect me. Because as they were speaking about it, I would imagine what they were saying and it would start to affect my, my heart and it started to affect my faith. It's hard to have faith that we can rest in the peace of God when we take that kind of stuff in. We digest it. Just like we digest food, we digest what comes in our eye gates and comes in our ear gates and it manifests. Only God would use my imagination because he knows how crazy my imagination was as a child and that he's using that imagination now to create what he wants is amazing to me. What happens when we start listening to and imagining the stories of the Bible? Faith is built, love for God increases, and things that should be impossible for us can become tangible for us and through us. Let's go to Mark 9, 23. Verse 23 says, And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. All things are possible for one who believes. Jesus was telling people, If you can believe it, you can conceive it, and you will birth it. Hop over to Romans 10, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. A lot of people in the first century couldn't read. Scholars could read, but 
normal, average, everyday people, most of them could not read. So God made the word work through hearing. You see there that it doesn't say hearing or reading. It could have said that, but it didn't. This is the reason why when I'm reading the Bible, I have a tendency to read aloud the word or I listen to the Bible on my phone as I'm reading it because of this verse. Because it could have said hearing and reading or hearing or reading, but it doesn't. It says hearing. So what we take in through our hearing, if it's the word of God, becomes faith. We believe what Holy Spirit says because we read it in the word of God. I'm going to bring some personal things in, in, into this, this sermon because my life is the example that God shows me when he shows me things. Kelsey, my daughter Kelsey, was bipolar. But Kelsey would not have received her healing from bipolar if she hadn't believed that God told me she would be healed. She spent weeks thinking about it because she was mad. She said, I don't, she says, I'm glad you've got God. I don't want nothing to do with this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And she walked away and we didn't talk about it for weeks. I did not have the power to heal her. I, I, I have no power. But she spent weeks thinking about it, contemplating what it would look like, imagining being healed. And Holy Spirit gave me the faith to heal. His power flowed through me to heal her. I didn't do it on my own, but I was given power to do it. The same Holy Spirit that worked healing through Jesus and through the apostles can work through us today. But we have to imagine it. We have to imagine it to have the faith that the impossible is possible through us when we allow Holy Spirit to work through us. I knew that if I could get Frank to go to Mario Morello's tent revival over the summer, that he would be healed. Why did I know that? Because weeks before the tent revival, the Lord told me, if you will get him there, I will do the work. So my job wasn't to do the healing. My job was to get him there. And God worked in Mario to heal him. We are called to be obedient. I no longer have to imagine to see a healing done by God. Because I've seen it. I have faith for it. I've cast many a demons out. And I know that they must go when I tell them to go. Not because I have any power, but because God works, th works through us. And he gave us the authority to cast them out. I've seen it. I've done it. And I have no doubts that God continue, will continue to use me in this way. I haven't raised anyone from the dead yet, but the Bible says that we can and we should. So I have no doubts that if I am called to do this, God will show me what I have to do to do it. I would have to imagine it. I would have to imagine seeing it happen. Now, let's go to Mark 16. So this is the last scripture of the day, Mark 16, 17 through 18. It says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, this is Jesus after he was, after he was resurrected. Why did he say that? I've always wondered why he said that, and it, it came to me during this time. Why did Jesus say that? He was very specific. They will cast out demons. Those that believe will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. So he knew that Holy Spirit was going to come and he was going to give us new, a new tongue to pray in, to speak in. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Don't you find that weird? You know why he said that? 
God told me why he said that. He said that because Acts 28, Paul was on that island, the shipwreck, and they were throwing, they were getting brambles and sticks and throwing it into a fire. And a serpent, and it says in most, most verses, a viper, which a viper is different from a serpent. So you have a snake and then you have a viper. A viper is a poisonous snake. You'll never use the word viper for a non-poisonous snake. A viper came out and bit him. And it was because he did not die from that snake bite that the entire island and the chief and all of the people that were there became converts because they saw him get bit by a poisonous snake and it didn't affect him at all. Jesus was warning them that this was going to happen. This was like a foretelling. Who drank poison? John. John was made to drink poison, and when that didn't work, they put him in oil and tried to boil him alive. And when that didn't work, they sent him to Patmos. He was warning them, these things are going to happen to you, but if you believe, it's not going to harm you. He was stirring up their belief. If God has given you a word, he wants you to imagine it, how it's going to work. What's the blueprint? He wants you to talk to him about it. Walk through, through it with you. You need to ask him what he thinks should happen. The Bible is full of promises that we can lay claim to. So if you need healing, look up scriptures on healing and you'll get a whole list of them. And Go through your Bible. Get your healing. Whatever it is that you're going through is there. It's full of promises that we can lay, lay claim to. All we have to do is just find the scriptures. And now with Google, it makes it so easy because you can just look up any topic and it'll give you scripture and just say scriptures on whatever. Scriptures on child rearing, scriptures on uh, healing, scriptures on imagination, which is what I looked up for the sermon. If you haven't gotten a word, but you need to claim, lay claim to anything, the word of God says, just look it up. Many people would accuse me of just for saying that as preaching a prosperity gospel because you can look up prosperity. It's in the Bible. Lots of times people will say that prosperity is monetary. It's not. It can be a lot of different things. All kinds of blessings are prosperous. But the word of God says that he can prosper us. But they would accuse me of saying that I was preaching a prosperity gospel. But let me just say this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, did not preach failure, hardships, indebtedness. He preached blessings, prosperity, love. As we listen to the closing song today, I want you to ask the Lord what he is saying to you through this message. What words has he given you? You can ask him what words he's given you that you've been afraid to dream or imagine with him about. Or ask him if you haven't had any, gotten anything. Ask him for a word. Heavenly Father, as we leave here today, Lord, bless all of our days with your grace, guidance, and provision. Remind us to keep your dreams for Acts of Grace Church alive within us. Lord, free the kidnapped in Gaza. We pray for their safe return. Break our hearts, Lord, for what breaks yours. Protect our waterways and water sources. Protect our water infrastructures, dams, and ports. Remove the unrighteous and unrepentant from our government, our courts, our businesses, our media, and everywhere information is shared. Remove them from our schools and universities, from our entertainment, and everywhere things are published or produced. Remove, Lord, the unrighteous from our research, our science and technological spaces. Remove them from church bodies and clergy. 
and keep them from having any say or sway over our families. Keep us safe, Lord, and watch over us. We pray your sustaining presence will go with us, and we ask you to walk with us throughout our week and bring us safely back to your house again. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and for all the tithes and offerings that are received. Bless the ministries that, are, that we are sowing into and for the people that are being blessed by our faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.